Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Amen. It's so good to see each of you here. We have, uh, before I go into this, we are only three weeks away from at the movies. Anybody excited about that? It's going to be a great time. Hope that you'll come and be a part of that with us. We have been in a series entitled The Other Guy. And with this series, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit and his role in our lives. And I would encourage you, if you've missed any of those messages, to go back, listen to those, because we kind of, we've been building, and so each message is dependent, I can see you guys again, Uh, each message is dependent on the previous one, so you can uh, download um, our podcast and listen to it that way, or go, go to our website Uh, and watch it. I promise it'll be a blessing to you. Uh, In week one, we talked about the Holy Spirit as a person, that he is a person, he has a mind, he has a will, and he has emotions. Week two, we talked about uh, the question, occasional or continual? And we learned in that message that he is not an occasional experience, he is a continual friend. That is who the Holy Spirit is. Uh, And then last week, which was the one everybody was worried about, I'm sure we did a whole message on tongues. Um, And we learned that tongues are not just for the disciples and the apostles, but God has made it available to every believer. And and there is a prayer language that that unlocks things. And so that message really sets this one up uh, because I'm going to give you a message today that is completely dependent on the Holy Spirit moving in your life. And I want to call this message, Unlocking My Future. Unlocking My Future. If I could put a long title on it, I would probably call it Unlocking My Future by Praying in the Spirit. Like three of you, yay! But as we pray in the Spirit, it unlocks our future. And I I want to take my time. You can turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. Uh, and also Ecclesiastes chapter number three. And before I read, I'm going to connect these two, and it'll make sense by the end. But as, as we connect these two passages of Scripture, a lot of churches, um, they, are, they, they have a strong desire to be current, to be relevant. And I, I'm not against being current. I'm not against being relevant. I think that it's, it's extremely important that we're current and relevant. But on the other hand, you got churches that just want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and they don't care about the culture. They just want the Holy Spirit. Here's what I would say to you. It is possible to create a wineskin that can be current and powerful. Current and powerful. Relevant and powerful. And, and so that, that's what we're striving for at Bethel. Yes, we want, we want to be current. We want to have the, the newest technology. We want to do ministry, and it looks like, you know, today. But we also want to be powerful, filled with the Holy Spirit, see signs and wonders and miracles. How many know what I'm talking about? We want to see people say, we want to be current and powerful. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 through 13, Paul said, however we speak wisdom, among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, 
nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which, come, which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as, as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Now, a lot of people stop reading right there. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. It hasn't even entered into a heart. But look at the very next verse. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. So, yeah, in the natural, no eye has seen, no ear has heard. But how many know as followers of Christ, the Holy Spirit taking up residence in us, all that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, hasn't entered into the heart, all of that has been revealed to you and I through the Holy Spirit. And so that's what Paul is talking about. He says, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now, let's connect Ecclesiastes chapter number three, one New Testament and one Old Testament. Ecclesiastes 3, I want to read three different verses from this chapter. Verse 1, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. Verse 11, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. And then verse 15, that which has already been and that... That which is has already been, and what is to be has already been. Unlocking your future. Um, how many of you were raised in a Pentecostal church? Raise your hands if you were raised around a Pentecostal church. Uh, I ask that because I, I'm, I'm 41, and I have known church my whole life, and I have known Holy Ghost Church my whole life. Uh, churches that endorsed and embraced the Holy Spirit. Some of you, you were raised in churches that did not endorse or embrace the Holy Spirit. But because I have been in church for 41 years and around churches that did endorse the Holy Spirit, I, I'll say it like this. I have seen a lot of stuff in church, um, a lot of stuff. And uh, one, of, one of the things I'll share with you, when Karen and I first started dating, one of the first places we went is I invited her to my church um, and now, I, I'm just going to be honest, that was a big, big gamble, all right, to invite her to my church because all kinds of stuff happened at our church. I mean, people huck, they would huck and buck. They would run laps around the building during the service. They, they screamed. They hollered. It was loud. And, and so I knew by inviting any of my friends, and especially someone that, you know, I really wanted to like me, um, that this was a big gamble, and, and the first, the, when, we, when she came with me, the evangelist that was speaking, the night that she came, he had what we called, I don't know what the proper term is, but he had what we called a hack. Mm, Y'all know what a hack is? And God said, ha! You know, 
The whole sermon, every three words. I mean, ha, ha. What's, Karen's like, what's he doing? I don't know. He's anointed. You know, that's, he's anointed. That, that means, we, I had one guy tell me, unless you did that, you're not anointed. I, you know, I'm like, you crazy. You know, like, you can't even hear what some of them are saying because you're like, why do they keep saying ha? You know, um, but that's what happened. And he's preaching as loud as he can, and he's, he's doing that. And then he, he comes down off the platform. He stands up on the front row, and, and, and he's still preaching. And then he walks the back of the pews and keeps preaching. So I know the Holy Spirit was on the man because, you know, he could have killed himself. He, he's walking the back of the pews. He doesn't stop preaching. And Karen and I, we're, we're like right next to each other. He walked right in between us on the back of the seats, all, all the way to the back row, and then came back around and kept preaching. And God said, ha, you know, just, just kept on going. I went home. I told my parents, I said, it's over. It's over. There ain't no way she going to hook up with a man that goes to church like this. But, but the cool thing was is that in, in spite of all the responses, because listen, some of what we call the Holy Spirit, it's not the Holy Spirit. It's flesh's response to the Holy Spirit. And, and sometimes we confuse, the, you know, what, what's happening. People respond. How many? Some people, when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, their face lights up and they smile and they got joy. Other people cry. Why? Wow, it's our response to who the Holy Spirit is. And, and, and the thing about the Holy Spirit, we, we could talk about running laps, walking the back of chairs, hucking and bucking. But at the end of the day, how many know that if the Holy Spirit truly shows up, the sign that he showed up is that there is power release. People are saved, lives are changed, miracles happen, prophetic words are given, words of wisdom happen, words of knowledge happen, discerning of spirits. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit invades a space, when he comes into a room. And, and so we got to ask ourselves, you know, who is the Holy Spirit versus everything I've been exposed to, versus everything maybe I've been taught? Um, again, much of uh, what we call the Holy Spirit is our response. Now, I, I'm just going to say sometimes I cry in his presence. Sometimes I feel like running. You know, sometimes I, I feel like shouting. Like, we all have a different response to who the Holy Spirit is, but it's not about our response as much as it is about what the Holy Spirit wants to accomplish. And so we have a generation of people now that... Um, They're not schooled in the things of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'll go as far as to say that many people don't want to have anything to do with the Holy Spirit because of what they have seen in church, what they have experienced in church, or they just flat out think that the Holy Spirit is weird. But but I've said it uh, probably a couple times in this series, the Holy Spirit, he is not weird. People are weird. He's not goofy. People are goofy. You, you know what I'm saying? So it, it, it's, it, we, we have to ask ourselves, who is he in relation to what I know? And we, the, the sad thing about a generation not being schooled in the Holy Spirit is that your potential, my potential, can only be discovered in the Holy Spirit. My purpose cannot be discovered. You can't talk about purpose without talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us purpose. 
who gives us, who, who placed potential on the inside of us. There is, there is no way to fulfill who God has called you to be without the Holy Spirit. He is the guide of your life. He is the driving wheel of your life. You cannot move forward without him. Now, with that, we have talked a lot this year on purpose because I felt instruction by God at the beginning of the year to talk a lot about the anointing this year. And so we've spent time talking about that word, anointing. And the word anointing is, is simply God's way of gracing you to do something. It's when God's, God's present, his presence comes on your life so that you can do something. He equips you. It, it gives you the ability to make a hard thing look easy. That's what the anointing is. But the anointing is connected to the message that Jesus preached. The message that he preached was the kingdom of God. That the way we operate in the kingdom is through the anointing. How many know this is an invisible kingdom? You can't see it, but it's there. And, and so the anointing and the kingdom are connected, and we understand that Jesus came specifically to bring us a kingdom. That's why he came, to bring us a kingdom. And whenever a king brings a kingdom, he is bringing the extension of his rule. That's what it means for a king to bring a king. He's taken the government, the reign, and the rule of heaven, and through Jesus, he is bringing it into the earth. Now, this makes religious people mad, but Jesus was not a religious figure at all. He is a political figure. That went over well. He is a political figure, and we get tripped up with that statement because we think uh, of politics and political figure. We, we, we have to put it in the context of American politics, but ain't nobody voting on Jesus. He is a king who brought a kingdom. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and check this out. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. He ain't doing religion, baby. He's bringing a kingdom. And you got to get with the program or get left out, right? He's bringing a kingdom. He's not a religious figure. He's a political figure. And so when we look at Scripture, we know that John the Baptist said that the kingdom is at hand. He's saying that the kingdom is near. Jesus shows up and says the kingdom is here. He came to bring a kingdom. And so heaven manifested in the earth through the person of, of Jesus Christ. And, and here's, here's what the scripture says. It says that the end will not come until the gospel of the kingdom has been preached throughout the whole world. That's what the Bible says. Now, with that, here, here's the thing. Not only does the world not understand the kingdom, most of the church don't understand the kingdom. I could go on home now, have lunch, take a nap, most of the church don't understand the kingdom. And, and this kingdom is what Jesus came to bring. And so while I'm waiting on heaven, while I'm waiting to get out of here, which is a lot of people's theology, we're just waiting on heaven. While I'm waiting to leave, I am supposed to bring where I am going into my now. That I'm not just waiting to get there. I am supposed to be, until I get there, bringing where I'm going, heaven, the kingdom, 
into my earth. And so the kingdom comes through Jesus. Jesus was the physical expression of God in the earth. Jesus was trying to bring us a kingdom. If you, if you could physically unwrap Jesus when he was here, what you would discover would be a kingdom. He came to bring it. And, and so he said, he, he told his followers, and we, we've hit this scripture, he says, it's to your advantage, talking to his disciples, that I leave, that I go away, so that the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, so that he could come. Because it's, it's, it's moving now from me being beside you to the Holy Spirit being in you. And Jesus was so obsessed with the message of the kingdom. He mentioned church one time, but he said kingdom every other breath. If he saw a seed, he said the kingdom is like. If he saw wheat, the kingdom is like. If he saw tares, the kingdom is like. If he saw a coin, the kingdom is like. All he talked about was the kingdom. And, and here's the thing in our culture today. We're doing a great job. I really believe we're doing a great job preaching Jesus. We're just doing a terrible job preaching the message that Jesus preached. His message was, was one thing, the kingdom. That was his message. And so we have to understand that Jesus came to bring a kingdom. And in order for him to bring a kingdom, he, was, he, he had to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, then how much more do you need the Holy Spirit? He's empowered by the Holy Spirit to bring this kingdom, the extension of his rule. And the first thing that Jesus did so that we could have the Holy Spirit and bring the kingdom of God is that Jesus came to take care of sin. How I many know that's, that's the first thing he did? Why did he come to take care of sin? Because his spirit and sin cannot cohabitate. It cannot exist in the same place. So he came to remove sin out of the way so that the Holy Spirit could take residence, he could relocate into my life. And, and what happens at the cross is that who I am and what I've done, I now exchange that. I put that on Jesus, but he takes who he is and what he's done and puts it on me. How many are thankful that there has been an exchange that takes place? He who knew no sin became sin that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ. See, um, I, I take on what he had and he took on what I had. And so in the book of Ephesians, the apostle Paul, Ephesians is probably my favorite book in the whole Bible because the whole book is about possessing. It's about walking in power and in authority and, and walking in everything God has made available. That's what the whole book of Ephesians is about. And Paul uses a, a little phrase all throughout it and, and all throughout his writings, he uses a phrase, where he says, in Christ. Everybody say that. Say, in Christ. He says it over and over again. And I, I, I love that because the, the anointing, when, he, when he's saying in Christ, Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ is his function. Christ means anointed. His name, Jesus, but Christ was his function. That is the anointing. And so Paul says that you and I, we have all these blessings, but those blessings are found in Christ. They are found, watch this, in the anointing. 
They are found in the presence of God. When we say someone is anointed, that person is anointed, what we are referencing is that there is residue of the Holy Spirit on their life, that, that they are doing something and they're equipped to do something, and, and we can see fruit from the Holy Spirit in their life. That's what it means to be anointed. And, and so everything you have, you have in Christ. You have it in the anointing. Uh, Ephesians 1, 3, here's a great example. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Every spiritual blessing is found in Christ, in the anointing. Philippians 4, 13, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus, my needs are met in the anointing. See, what, what Jesus does, he does by the anointing. That's what he did. He operated under the power of the Holy Spirit. But we have to understand that Jesus is finished. See, we just lost people. Because we think when we pray and we ask Jesus, that Jesus gets up out of his seat and comes to where we are. See, when, when Jesus died and rose again, Scripture says he ascended to the right hand of the Father. Jesus left the earth, but Christ didn't. The anointing never left. The presence of the, he said, I must go away so that I can send another comforter. And so God the Father's on his throne. Jesus is at his right hand. He's not getting back up. He said, it's finished. So what's done now has to be done by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I can't get over why we can sing about God and sing about Jesus, but ignore the only one still in the earth. Woo! Now you're saying he's better than Jesus and better. I'm telling you, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are all one. The Holy Spirit is just as much God as Jesus. He's just as much God as the Father. That's why I'm telling you he's a person that has a mind, has a will and emotions. And you got to get to know the Holy Spirit if you want to unlock your future. Um, Colossians 1, let's just look at verse 3. He says, for you died, talking about us, you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. My life is hidden with Christ in God. That, that we are now the body of Christ. We are the body of the anointing. All right? Which means, how many of this place ought to be powerful? That if you come depressed, you can't stay depressed. If you come with anxiety, you can't, you can't leave with anxiety. You come with sickness, we're going to pray the prayer of faith because we know that our faith is voice activated. And we got to put some things in the atmosphere to bring you out of that mindset into the things that God has for you. I'm preaching a whole lot harder this time. I want y'all to know that. I'm sensing this thing. Listen, we, 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 our lives are hidden in the anointing. They're hidden in the anointing. But here's the thing. Your life cannot move forward until you have the mind of Christ or the mind of the anointing. A lot of people will say, I'm anointed, pastor. I'm anointed. I'm anointed. My question is, can you think on the level that you're anointed? Can you get your mind to catch up with what God has put in your spirit? 
The scripture does not say a man is anointed, so is he. The scripture says as a man thinks, so is he. There is greatness on the inside of you. There's a, a business on the inside of you. You may be anointed to be a millionaire, but if you think like a bum, you don't arrive at the level of your anointing. You arrive at the level of your thinking. So you may have a great call, but if your mind is in the gutter, you never arrive at your destiny. Man, there's greatness all over this room. I mean, there's, there's, there's people called to be millionaires in this room. Called to launch businesses. Called to, to do ministries. The call, like, you got this great calling. The problem's the mind. Our mind struggles to catch up with what God has already put in our spirit. Can you think on the level of your anointing? See, you will not arrive at the level of your anointing. You will arrive at the level of your thought life. Can you think on the level of your anointing? Look at what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1. I won't read all of it. It's a ton of verses, but I'll pull out. I'll just pull out one just for sake of time. Let's look at verse maybe 2, 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. We'll do one more. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. So Paul says that God, that the spirit of God is the spirit of wisdom and revelation that God wants to show you some things that you that no eye has seen, no ear has heard. It hasn't entered into your heart because it's not revealed to the natural man. It's revealed through the Holy Spirit to your spirit. That there are, how many of the Holy Spirit can show you things your flesh would never pick up on? He, he can unlock things that you would have never seen just looking with the natural eyes. So Paul says, I'm gonna give you, or the Holy Spirit's gonna give you a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation. Why do we need a spirit of wisdom and revelation? To raise our level of thinking. You, it's impossible for you to advance past your revelation, past the wisdom that comes through the Holy Spirit. You can't go beyond that. It, it becomes a ceiling to you. And the whole reason, Ephesians chapter four, look at this verse, Ephesians four, we'll do 11 through 13, it says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of, of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the structure of the fullness of Christ, stature of the fullness of Christ. Um, why do we have apostles, prophets, I know these are terms the church is scared of, but apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. Paul writes and says that we have these gifts so that the body of Christ can, can mature and come to a unity of the faith in the knowledge of Jesus and that we would reach a measure or stature of the fullness of Christ. 
In 1 Corinthians 12, that's the gifts of the Spirit. In Ephesians 4, what we just read, that's the gifts Jesus left. So when we talk about the five offices that he left, it's not that a pastor or an evangelist or an apostle has a gift. They are the gift. There are gifts of the Father. There are gifts of the Son right here. And there are gifts of the Holy Spirit. Maybe we'll do a teaching on that at some time, some point. But there are three different levels. They each give gifts. And he says, I'm giving you these gifts to mature you, to bring you to unity of the faith so that you can reach the fullness of Christ. You can reach the fullness of the anointing. I am not the fullness of the anointing individually. I, we are the fullness of the anointing collectively. It's not about one person being anointed. It's when we all grow up and mature and start speaking the wisdom of God in, in mysteries by the power of the Holy Spirit. Anybody following what I'm saying right now? He even says, like, we can answer the question, how long are we going to have these five offices till? Till the church grows up. Let's just be real honest. The church hasn't grown up. And I'm not talking about Bethesda. I'm talking about the church in general. I mean, it's very immature, very needy, very bless me, very like, it's all about me. You didn't sing my song. I'm going to another church. You, you. Paul said, I've given you this so that you grow up. That the Holy Spirit's given it so you can grow up to unity of the faith and the full measure of the anointing. Now, switching gears, your whole life, past, present, and future, your whole life is already in you. It's already in you through the Holy Spirit. Everything that you're going to be, listen to me, it's already in you. A lot of times we want something to fall out of the sky and hit our life. But that, that's not how it works. It don't, it don't fall out of the sky. It doesn't happen externally. But, but it, it's going, when you come into your destiny and purpose, it's not that it fell out of the sky and hit you. It's because it was already in you and you learned how to push it out. It's already, listen, greatness is already in you. That business already in you. That book you're supposed to write already in you. It's not going to fall out of heaven and hit you. God put it there before you got here. And we spend our lives slowly becoming who God already knows we are. Ah, I feel like preaching. It's in you. Hit your neighbor and tell him it's in you. And, and, and the problem is, is getting away from the distractions and all the stuff we go through long enough to see what the... the he says we, we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. It, it's already... That's a mess. We could preach a mess. It's already in you. Just call it that. It's already there. Whenever God... Once you to come into your purpose, it's not going to come out of the sky. It's going to come out of you. Let's look at this. When God, when God wants to do something, he doesn't speak to what he wants. He often speaks to what holds it. When, when God uh, created the fish, 
Go, go read it in Genesis. He did not say, let there be fish. He said, let the waters bring forth the fish. The potential for fish was already in the water. He spoke to that which was holding it. When God created, created Mars and Saturn and all of that, he didn't say, let there be Saturn and Mars and Mercury. He said, let the heavens bring forth. The potential for planets was already in the heavens. So God said, turn loose of it. When God created food and vegetation, he didn't say, let there be tomatoes and, and potatoes and cucumbers. What, what did God say? He said, let the earth bring forth its seed, that the potential for every seed was already in the earth. When God created you and I, he spoke to himself and said, let us make man in our image. You didn't come from mommy and daddy, baby. You came out of God. He spoke to himself to turn you loose. It's already in you. The Holy Spirit helps us to push out what God has already put in us. And, and, we, and, and we are slowly becoming who God has already destined for us to be. How many know that's, that can be painful at times? Oh, just me. And, and, and we know from Scripture that God often hides things. Have you ever thought, read those Scriptures where it talks about God literally hiding things and hidden wisdom and we speak mysteries and we, like, there, there's a lot of this stuff, but, but he also helps us out by saying, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow. Jesus said, when you pray, go into your closet and shut the door. In other words, get everybody else out of the way. And what you pray in secret, I'll reward openly. That, that there are hidden things. The disciples couldn't figure out why he spoke to them so plainly but he spoke to everybody else in code. Like, why do you tell parables? Why do you tell stories? Why, why are you speaking to them with riddles? They couldn't figure it out. And, and, and the, the point is, is that the kingdom, listen, God does not give the kingdom to the casual. He don't give it. Just because you showed up and sang a song on Sunday don't mean you get the kingdom. This is not for the casual. The kingdom, like you may be ready for heaven, but that doesn't mean that you've brought the kingdom into the earth. There's a difference in going to heaven. All you need for that's the blood of Jesus. But if you want to be a kingdom person that brings heaven into the earth, that's not for the casual, baby. That is for the seeker. God does not live in time. He lives in eternity. God does not live in time. Time lives in God. He is the beginning and the end. He, he, he's, listen, God is not getting older. He's not getting wiser. He's not learning anything. And nothing has ever occurred to God. Because part of being God means you can't increase on that. He can't increase on who he is. He already knows everything. 
All right? He doesn't have to grow, but you do. I'm sure we'll get some emails this week. Ecclesiastes 3, he says in verse 11, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. Everything's perfect in its time. God puts eternity in our hearts. So I literally, you literally have eternity already in you. Whether you go to heaven or hell, you live forever. Right? Some of you are like, ah, hell ain't that bad. We just die. You don't die. That's the problem. <laughs> You're an eternal being. You will not die. It's not going to end, even if you go there. Now, it's an eternal death. It's an eternal, eternal I wish I was dead uh, all through eternity. And so God, he speaks from the end back to the beginning. Example, Simon. You're no longer Simon, you are now Peter. You're no longer a reed tossed to and fro, you are now a rock. How many know when, when Jesus said that, Peter was anything but a rock? Why? God already knew Peter's future. He already knew who Peter would become. So God did not call him by where he was, God called him by where he was going. Gideon, you're hiding from the enemy, but what does God say? You mighty man of valor. And he's hiding. God speaks to what he has already seen, what he already knows about you. Jacob, you're a trickster. You're a schemer. But I've called you Israel. Prince with God. Why? Because he's already seen my finished product. He's already seen it. God speaks to who he already knows you are because your potential, watch this, your potential is already in his background. Everything you have, you have it in past tense. It's, how is that possible? Because God's already seen it. He's already done it. Now, we spend a lifetime becoming more and more of who we're supposed to be. But the way our future is unlocked, and I can't wait to get to this point because I may throw this podium when I get there. Your future is unlocked through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's unlocked through personal relationship with, with the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to show you that in just a second. The reason we come to church, the church is the gate of heaven. We, we understand that. But it is an extension of, it's a, a source of the kingdom in the earth. And the church is called to equip us, to help us. And really what it boils down to, church is about renewing my mind so that my mind can catch up to what God has already put in me. That's church. That's why Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, watch this, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, perfect will of God. The will of God, like there is a will of God in your life, but if you don't renew this, you never discover the will of God. I'm gonna preach this one again next week. I'm just kidding. I have to get my mind renewed 
to what my anointing already knows. Now, look at what God says in Isaiah 46. Hit your neighbor and tell him we're almost done. All right, I don't want you to check out on this. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. So God's saying, I'm God all by myself. There's, you, can, you can search the world over. You won't find anybody like me. And then he tells us why. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. God says, I'm different than everybody else because I, know, I knew the end before I got started. And this is what separates me from anybody else. I knew the end the day I started with you. Man, I, I just sense some people in this room that you have, you have you've thrown your calling away. You've just said, nah, what's the use? And, and it'll never be. And, and the Holy Spirit brought you into this place to remind you that he's not done with you. He's already seen the end result. And the, and the end of this thing looks a whole lot better than it does right now. But you got to renew your mind to that. You got to renew your mind to what God is doing. See, the reason God can say there's none like me knowing the end from the beginning and then makes a statement, like he makes a statement in Romans that's hard to even fathom. God says all things work together for the good of those who love him and called according to his purpose. How in the world can God say all things work together for my good? Because he's already seen the end, baby. He knows that this is going to work in your favor. So God didn't start at the beginning. He started with the end in mind and then worked his way back. Paul says, who knows a man except the spirit that is in him? He says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard. It hasn't entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But he goes on to tell us, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. That's the line. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. And he tells us that it's hidden wisdom. You won't find this many places in scripture. It's hidden wisdom for our glory. Did you catch that? How many all throughout the Bible, it's his glory, his glory, his glory. But he says, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, hidden wisdom for your glory. The word glory in Greek here, though, means advancement. That's what it means. It means advancement. God did not start your life until he was already finished with it. Who knows a man except the spirit that is in him? John 16, let's tie this together. It says in verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine, and he will declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine, and he will declare it to you. The Holy Spirit, week two, we talked about is our God. A God is different than a teacher. A teacher gives you knowledge. A God takes you to where they've already been. 
Are you following with me? The Holy Spirit takes you to where he's already been. He already knows the mind of God. He knows the will of God. And he has come out of eternity into time. And he has toured your life in the Father's mind. And he wants to make it known to you. I know that's complex. But it's how we unlock our future. It's through the Holy Spirit. My born-again spirit knows everything about my life. Knows everything about my life. How do I get out what I know God has put in? How do I do that? How do we manifest it? Worship team, y'all better come. I'm never quitting. I tell them 1 Corinthians 14, and I can't get there. Um, For faith to be activated, somebody has to say something. The worst thing you can do when you have a problem or you're overwhelmed or dealing with anxiety or depression is be silent. Well, I guess that's better than speaking negativity, which is a large part of the church. We, we curse ourselves. Oh, I'm broke. Oh, I'm depressed. Oh, I'm sick. Faith is voice activated. In other words, you got to put something in the atmosphere. We speak, Paul said, man, I hope y'all grab this. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. You have to put it out there. You got to put it in the atmosphere. Not human wisdom, but it's what the Spirit teaches. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. No one knows in their heart the things that God has prepared. When do you and I speak the wisdom of God in a mystery? 1 Corinthians 14, 2. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. He speaks mysteries. My future, my potential, my purpose is all in the Holy Spirit. Only one person knows my potential, and that is the Holy Spirit. I cannot introduce you to you until I first introduce you to the Holy Spirit. Your next season, I'm just going to prophesy for a minute, your next season, your next level, your next dimension, your your next spiritual dimension in God, your next level of revelation, your next level of vision for your life, for your family, for your ministry, for your business, all that, that, that you have every next level. Listen, the Holy Spirit already knows it. You cannot build who you are supposed to be without the Holy Spirit. If He is my guide, it means he's already toward my life. He knows where I'm going and where I'm headed. And many of you, the truth is, you are frustrated with a lack of movement in your life. You're stuck, there's no movement, there's no flow to your life because we are often trying to get somewhere that only the Holy Spirit can take us. Jude 1 verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. There's faith, there's better faith, then there's most holy faith. I'm gonna say it like this. There is no higher level of faith than praying in the Holy Spirit. 
When do I speak the wisdom of God in a mystery? When a man speaks in a tongue, he speaks the wisdom of God in a mystery. Tongues, when we, when we speak in tongues, I know some of you are like really struggling with this, but here's what's gonna happen. In your prayer time, you're gonna get filled with the Holy Spirit. You're gonna speak in tongues. It, it may not happen here, but even in your own prayer time, God's gonna fill you with the Holy Spirit because when we pray in tongues, we are declaring our tomorrow. We are unlocking our future. I want you to stand with me and I wanna give you this little story because this is not just a sermon today. I came in to Monday of last week, six days ago, and we had, including me, there were six pastors who came and, and thank, thankfully it worked out for all these guys to come to West Virginia. And it's not easy to get to White Sulphur Springs from all these different states. I mean, usually you gotta fly into Roanoke or Charleston and make the long drive. It's just, and usually the connection before that. So it's just a, a big process, but me and five other pastors from around the nation, one from Minnesota, one from Kentucky, one from Florida, one from Georgia, um, Missouri is the other one. Um, we all came together to meet here on Monday and we spent three full days together. And I came into Monday as we were all meeting and I'll be honest with you, I, I just felt, have you ever just felt stuck? Spiritually, anybody ever felt stuck? I, I felt stuck, not that God's not being good, obviously he's been amazing, but I was having trouble seeing my next. I couldn't see it. Like I, I just, getting into this building and everything it took, it was just like now, we finally did it, now what? And spiritually, I just didn't know. Like what, what's next, you know? What, what's next for me? What's next for my family? What's, what's next for Bethesda Church? And I came into the week and we spent three full days together. On Monday and Wednesday, we spent six to eight hours doing nothing but praying and prophesying over one another on Monday and Wednesday, all day long. I, I don't know that I've ever spent that much time in the presence of God. On Tuesday, we went whitewater rafting. And so we stuck that like right in the middle, you know? And it was great because some of these guys I didn't know. Like I knew, I knew three of them, but two of them I didn't really know. And, and so the whitewater rafting actually opened up some things for Wednesday. How many know, sometimes you gotta get to know somebody before the walls come down. And, and, and we, we, we shared struggles. We shared where, where we just don't see God moving. We shared obstacles. We, we, we shared victories and we shared losses and we prayed and we prophesied and we, we, we just spent a lot of time in God's word and in prayer. And I, I, on Wednesday, I want you to hear what happened because we spent most of the time in prayer, praying in the spirit. Not like, well, God, will you bless me? Well, God, would you protect me? Like we prayed in the Holy Ghost and, and we spent the days doing that. And by Wednesday, by about 4 p.m., God had given me words for each of my kids, like words for them. He had given me a word for my wife, he had given me not only our vision for 2020 coming up, but God gave me a five to 10 year plan. He started unfolding this and making it like really, really plain. And I couldn't even write as fast as the Holy Spirit was showing it to me. Listen, that future was unlocked through the Holy Spirit. How many of you want the Holy Spirit to unlock your future, to begin showing you things to come? You gotta start speaking the will 
want you to bow your head and close your eyes. No one looking around. We're going to do a couple of things. The first being what we always do. I want to pray for people right now that you're not in relationship with Jesus. And you're here today and you're like, I'm not, I'm not where I need to be with God. I need him to forgive me. I need his grace. I need to make Jesus my Lord and my Savior. You may be that, you may be watching online and that's for you. But if you're in this room and that's you, you say, I, I need Jesus to save me. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, that's me, Pastor. I need Jesus to save me. I need Jesus, one over here, God bless you. Anyone else, another one? God bless you. I see the one on, online as well, God bless you. Awesome, awesome. I want us to pray. Everybody lift your voice together, say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner, I've committed sins, I need a savior. I ask you to forgive me, to come into my heart, to be my Lord and my savior. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's celebrate those individuals today. Give God a praise for them. Here's what I want us to do. I need prayer team and staff to come. I need as many people as possible. And here's the other thing I want to share with you as they're doing that. I've always been the guy who, when I want to hear from God, I always, you know, like, like Jesus said, you go into your closet, shut the door, you know, and, and pray in secret. But what God showed me in the book of Acts through these other men coming to West Virginia, flying from all across the nation to come, is that all through the book of Acts, you don't hardly ever see any individual hearing from God by themselves. Almost every time, it's not that we don't pray, I'm just saying, when they heard from God, a lot of times there was a group that heard from God. A, a small group that, that heard from God. And, and we just began to hear God this week. And so, why are you sharing that, Pastor? I, I'm sharing that because we are here to pray with you. We are here to pray for you. And, and I believe that this could be a powerful time of prayer during this last worship song. Before we do that, though, can we give God the highest praise we have all day? Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.